seated, please. Good evening. So glad that you are here tonight. Again, uh, glad for those who are joining us on live stream. We have, uh, wow, that was great. Uh, we have people who join us from all over the place. I mean, we received a, a message today from, from someone who watches us from, from Louisiana. There are people who watch from all over, and I'm very thankful of all the things they do that people are able to join in and worship with us in the morning and at night. Thank you for choosing to be here tonight. As we are looking forward to something we're going to be doing next month, what we did is we sent out an email this, uh, this week asking you what your favorite hymn is and then why it is so impactful to you. If you didn't get that email, then, then uh, that is something that uh, you can go back and we've got some hard copies back at Information Central. Please take those and fill those out. There's going to be a project we're working on next month and we would greatly appreciate you doing that. I think it'll be a blessing to all of us. Uh, let's go ahead and uh, let's start uh, with prayer tonight. God, you are absolutely amazing, and tonight we come before you. You are worthy of our worship, and, and your joy is our strength. Lord, we're thankful for that river. We're thankful for that opportunity we have, and we are baptized to come in your presence to have our sins washed away, to have that forgiveness, to have that relationship with you that is born there in that water. And Lord, we ask that you will bless us to always... Hold on tightly to you, regardless of what's going on. In Christ we pray, amen. We're in the middle of our fall focus, and every Sunday, we've been talking about discipleship so far, and we will for the next 12 weeks and uh, 13 weeks from start to finish. And when we look at it, it's something to me that stands out, because we've gone through and we've opened up God's Word and said, you know what, a disciple is someone who does what? Who abides in God's Word. A disciple is someone who loves like Jesus loves. A disciple is someone who bears their own cross. And next week, a disciple is someone who bears fruit. We see that. And what we've seen is some great commands by God. And guess what? Jesus expects us to obey the question is, is obeying him enough? Is it enough just to obey God? Just to do what it is that he says? It's a pretty big question. Because some people would say, hey, I just need to do what Jesus says. As long as I do what he says, I should be fine. As long as I physically live out those, obedient, those levels of obedience, the different things he's asked me to do, I should be okay. I think the challenge is it's not just obey God, but to learn to love to obey. See, there's a difference. Y'all know the difference between obeying and coming to, to love obeying God. We, we realize this when we grow up as kids. I, I don't know about you, but at times, have you ever had somebody tell one of their children to tell another child that they're sorry? You've seen that, right? You know, you just pushed your brother in the dirt and your mom comes up and says, tell him you're sorry. And what do you say? Sorry. That, that sounded sincere, didn't it? Straight from the heart. I meant that with everything that I have. We know that that's not that because it's one thing to say something. It's another thing to mean it. It's another thing to feel it. 
Those of us who've been around a little bit longer realize it's one thing, again, to say that's another thing to truly be sorry and feel that level of sorrow and realize what you have done hurts someone else. It's just like in our faith, there's a difference between uh, thinking and being sorry that we broke God's rules as something else to realize that we broke God's heart. Those are two different things. Now, when we break his rules, we break his heart. It's a different motivation that we have. And to come to learn to obey God is, is really what he's asked us to do, and it's very, very different. See, there's a certain thought, and one person said this, that he who honors God, God will honor, and that's a big deal. The one who is faithful to God, God will be faithful to them. And we looked, and, but who is it that God does love. We say God loves everyone. Is it the one who begrudgingly honors God or the one who lovingly and joyfully honors God? Who is it that God will honor? The one who just goes through the motions or the one who sincerely lives out their faith? See, it's one thing for us to make a sacrifice. It's another thing for us to enjoy the sacrifices of others. Every day that we live in this country, we benefit from the sacrifice of other people. And when we look at that, that is something that I am thankful for them, but sometimes there are people who don't appreciate the freedoms we have. They don't realize what, what it is that's been paid for them to do that. I saw this come across the internet uh, a couple days ago, and it was something that hit me. It, it said, you know, this Chinese businessman shared this image saying that happiness of children is the most valuable thing in the world. And a million-dollar car, a Lamborghini, is nothing for that. So allowing children to play on this, as long as it gives them the joy, he said that's the most joyful thing he has ever seen. Then it went on to say that the children aren't his and neither is the car. <laughs> See, it's one thing to rely on somebody else's sacrifice, Right? what somebody else has paid. It's another thing when it becomes yours. We have been called to carry our own cross. And God has called us to great sacrifice. Is that daunting? Yes, it's daunting. But he's called us to be joyful. He has called us to be joyful disciples in, in the midst of whatever it is we're going through to have joy. Does that always mean we're laughing? Not necessarily. But that means that our faith is deeper, that there is a joy, that we know that the, there's something greater than this world and there's a greater purpose and there's a greater promise and, and we have a greater Savior and we look at those things. See, when we look through the Bible, there is a deep river of happiness and enjoyment theology from one end of the Bible to the other, from cover to cover. And by some places, it, you wouldn't think this. There are some people that, to them, serving God is all about being as solemn as possible. It's about being as solemn and just do it, and, and it's not about enjoyment. Let's look at what the Bible says. Just think about all these different verses. To God, my exceeding joy, the psalmist says in Psalm 34, verse 4, he is my joy. 1 Samuel 2, verse 1 says, my heart rejoices in the Lord. 
Habakkuk 3.18, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. Do you see this? Joy and happiness. They sang praises, how? With joy. And they bowed down in worship. Second Chronicles 29 verse 30, isn't it interesting that people characterize the God of the Old Testament like God is different from one uh, testament to another is being somewhat very stern and everything, all, all these different things, so demanding. And what are all these things say? We will worship him with joy. Our hearts are filled with joy. He, he, Psalm uh, 97 verse 12 says, Rejoice in the Lord, you righteous, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holiness. Give joy. We see this again in the New Testament. Philippians 4, verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, do what? Rejoice. Romans chapter 5, verse 1 says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into his grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. He said, we've been justified, our sins have been taken away. We have access to faith, we have peace, and that leads to joy. He's not finished. In verse 3 says, not, now, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that our suffering produces endurance, and our endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. We rejoice even in our suffering because we know what it changes us into, someone who is more and more like Christ and reminds us more and more of where we are going and the hope that lies there. Nehemiah 8 verse 10 says, Do not be grieved, for the joy of our Lord is our strength. We just sang that. Do you know what's going on in Nehemiah chapter 8? They have just listened to a six-hour sermon. Y'all just went, whoo. No matter how long I preach tonight, it'll be short then, right? Can you imagine a sermon beginning at six in the morning and going to midday? And guess what? The people stood for the entire sermon. No pews. People stood up. And after they had heard the book of the, the law read to them, the people started crying because they realized that they were not living according to God's word. They were not living the way that God wanted them to live, and they were weeping so much, and Nehemiah and Ezra are there, and what you hear is what? Do not be grieved. The joy of the Lord is your strength. You've messed up. It's, it's one of those things that God is with you, and we are now going to follow him and what he says. The joy of the Lord will pull you through. Do not be overwhelmed. Romans 15, 13 says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may do what? Abound in hope. What is hope? I think sometimes we have misdefined hope as, as hope is something sort of like wishing. I hope this is going to happen. Hope is literally believing that Jesus is going to do what he says he's going to do. It's living knowing that if he has promised us that he's coming back, guess what? He's coming. It's living knowing that if he is preparing a place for us, that that is a place where we will be going. It is living in that hope. And he says, you can have peace and hope and joy. And those three things are wrapped together. 
Romans 12, 12, Paul says this, Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, and be constant in prayer. Why? Because Jesus is going to do what Jesus said he was going to do. One of the verses we looked, I think, in the first week of our fall focus, in John chapter 15, verses 9 and following, Jesus says, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will, be, you will abide in my love, just as I've kept my Father's commandments, and I abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Can I ask you, tonight is your joy full? Is your joy full in Christ? Are you allowing him to, be, to fill you with that joy? Paul said in 2 Corinthians 7 verse 4, I am overflowing with joy in what? In all of our pleasure? He said, I am overflowing with joy in all our affliction. No matter what's going on, I can still have joy. And we're also told what? A cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. God's people are to be joyful people. This may seem like a weird question, but should a preacher ever be joyful, or teacher ever be joyful in class or in the pulpit? You'd be amazed at how many people would say no. Who would say no? Uh, a friend of mine... Uh, who is a preacher. I probably just narrowed it down to about 500 people, okay? I don't want to let you know too much who that might be. A friend of mine who's a preacher, uh, if he said good morning before he started preaching, he had a lady that would come up and say, Jesus never said good morning before he started preaching. I don't know if we have all of his sermons recorded. I don't know what it would sound like in Aramaic, but that's interesting. And if he ever used a sports illustration, all you do is talk about sports. Well, Paul talked about sports, boxing and running and everything else. And then she was like, there's, there's just too much humor. We're not here to laugh. We're not here to smile. We're here to study God's Word. How many verses did I just read where joy is mentioned? Over and over and over and over again. Over and over again. A few years ago, I was speaking at a, a preacher's workshop. On um, I was given the topic on how to use humor in preaching. That was the topic that was chosen for me to, 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 to use. And after speaking, you speak for like 40 minutes, and then there's 15 minutes where you get questions from the floor. And one of the questions was, what authority do you have to use anything that would incite laughter or joy in the Bible? And I'm like, have you not read the Bible? God's people are to be joyful people. In the midst of whatever it is we're going through, laughter is something that actually unites us. It is something that, that makes people feel a part of a group. I laugh because my friend who, who had the, the lady who had a great comment for him after every sermon, he just thought in his head, I'm pretty sure I've never seen you smile. Let me ask you this. What type of example are we to the world if the world has never seen God's people smile? They've never seen you enjoy 
life. They've never seen you enjoy God. They've never seen you enjoy your family. They've never seen any of those things. I think that is counterintuitive to what Scripture teaches us. We are told, and when we are in God's presence, what? Psalm 1611, in your presence, fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. In your presence is fullness of joy. That is being in the presence of God. When the sheep and goats are divided and the sheep are welcomed in, what does Jesus say? Enter into the what? To the joy of your master. Psalm 37 verse 4, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. When, when he becomes your joy, when he becomes your delight, when he becomes the one you focus on, the one who gives you these things, then your heart will be full. There is a glorious joy that comes from following Christ. I love these pictures. I am so thankful I didn't use a picture of Ezekiel here, but I'm thankful God gave me a smiley boy. I'm, I love it. It's something awesome about seeing him smile. And, and you see that, and we think about the joy that God has given here, here on earth, where we, we get joy from relationships, joys from friends, joys from our church family, joy from sometimes seeing the sunrise or whatever it is that, that you say joy. All joy should truly be connected to Christ, and we can have an overwhelming joy regardless of what happens. And guess what? We should be joyful Christians. I think one of the great, we start thinking about how do we make a difference in this world? Can I tell you, if you want to be, make a difference in this world, stop complaining, stop griping, stop being a woe is me, stop talking about the sky is going to fall every time something else comes out about what's going on in Washington and choose to be somebody who joys in the Lord. You, you'll be different than most people around you. Would you agree with that? You would be most more. You would be so different and set yourself apart. We are to be a peculiar people. Maybe being a peculiar people is being joyful. Again, there are some who believe that Christians shouldn't be this way. I've done some reading about the Puritans, and I laugh because there was one thing I read that said, "Here's a Puritan's example of a perfect and good day." It is listening to a four-hour sermon on hell in a 115-degree building with no air conditioning, sitting on a pew with no back, and you're sitting right on top of a splinter. That's just as good as it gets. Sorry about the air conditioning joke tonight, but I apologize, okay? God has built us to experience joy and to share joy. And I'm going to tell you, being joyful will not always be easy. It is something that why, Blaise Pascal said, all men seek happiness, this is without exception. So most of us will find joy or happiness in something, but I'm going to tell you, it is going to be difficult to do there's some people who are always seeking after it, and to them, they'll only be joyful if they get the next thing they're looking for. But what if it doesn't come? Marriages can fail. Children can grow up to disappoint. 
There are people who will betray you, people who will hurt you. There are circumstances in your life that everything may be going well one minute and all of a sudden something else will change and everything seems to be, be right there falling apart. You may have friends and all of a sudden friendships fade or, or people will move or pass away and you go through and, and I like what C.S. Lewis said. He said, do not let happiness depend on something you can lose. That is why our joy and our happiness have to be built on Christ and on our relationship with Him. One said there are things that are we should be concerned about, but none of them are bigger than God. Don't, don't forget this. God is bigger than our circumstances. He's bigger than people. He's bigger than stuff. He's bigger than worry. He is bigger than sorrow. He is bigger than disappointment. God takes away our sins, and we can count on that. We can count on him always being there, regardless of what it is we're going through. And because of that, we can be joyful. Again, joyful doesn't mean we go around giggling all the time. Joyful is, is having that deep peace and hope of knowing that God is there. He said, if we're going to be, be, be people who are joyful, it will require a shift in our focus. And, and we think about this, Philippians 4, 8. He says, finally, brothers, focus on what's true, what is honorable, what is just, what is pure, what is lovely, what is commendable. If there be any excellence, if anything worthy of praise, think about these things. When things in your life seem to be falling apart and you're dealing with so much and you go, where's the joy? Then I have to step back and go, okay. What do I have? What is it I do have in Christ? What you're going to hear a lot of people say is this. They're going to say, God doesn't want you to be happy. He wants you to be holy. I see that all the time. But can I tell you? I understand what they're trying to say because so many people, you'll be saying, hey, you need to do this. And the thing that they want to do in their life is against God's word. And they'll say, listen, I, God wants me to be happy. And other person say, no, he wants you to be holy. Well, it depends on what you mean by happiness. Vance Havner says this, if you want to be popular, preach happiness. If you want to be unpopular, preach holiness. Well, what if we're supposed to be both happy and holy? <laughs> and our happiness truly comes from being connected to Christ. See, there's a wrong type of happiness that, that it pursues false securities and comforts and idols in this world, and it turns out to be lies and leads to grief. But there's a holy happiness that's found in God, is a genuine delight in Him, an eternal and unending treasure of glory and holiness that is above everything else. That is what we are called to have. God wants you to be happy in your holiness. Happiness in God is the essence of being holy. Look what, what Jesus says in John 16, 22. You will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. What a thought. You will rejoice and, and no one will take away your joy. Verse 17, chapter 17, verse 13 says, I told them many things while I was with them and in this world so that they will be filled to overflowing with my joy. Are you shocked at how many verses in the Bible we've read tonight that all say joy? 
Seems to be a pretty major theme of the Bible. It is something that God wants his people to delight in and share and to have. And I do believe not to enjoy God is to be dishonoring to him. How can we not have enjoyment of the one who has given us everything, the one who walks with us, the one who takes away our sins, the one who provides? Another said gladness in God is the only happiness that will last and it will last to eternity. The deepest and most enduring happiness is found only in God, not from God, but in God. When we realize we are in him and our relationship in him is where this comes from, it changes everything. So how do we do this? How do we obey God? And it says sometimes seems like the hardest road to take. Long run is the only lifestyle that brings real peace and genuine joy. This is not Ezekiel. This would be me, okay? This is me and my grandmother, Moore. I called her Ma. You'll hear me talk about her from time to time. Uh, outside of my mom and dad, she is the person who loved me more as a child until the time she passed away when I was about 21. Uh, there was nobody even close to her outside of my mom and dad. Did you know that she asked me, and she didn't have to ask me, I did a lot for her. Uh, I chopped wood for her. She still had a, 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 a wood stove in the house, and guess what? Trees don't automatically cut themselves down. See, I, I didn't get the fun of that. I got the kind of fun of being a wood hauler. You ever been that person, the hauler and stacker? And I knew every day when I left her house that wood had to come from the wood pile that was over here that was all stacked up, which I'd already done, to the wood box that was on the porch, to there was a little holding place inside the house where it would go. She had a garden, and when I was a kid, I thought that garden was as big as the county I lived in. And gardens get longer when you are told this is your job. We need you to hoe all the weeds out of this row. And you realize, okay, just this row? No, all of them. Just start here. And we're going to go down and dig potatoes today, and we're going to do all these different things. And all of a sudden you realize this is sweat. This is hard work. As I got older and she got older, it was going to the store, it was going to pick her up stuff, it was going to do whatever. Can I tell you, I don't remember ever griping about that. You know why? Because I knew how much she loved me and how much she did for me. And there was actually joy in doing that. I didn't want to go back to my mom and dad's house till I had done the things that she needed me to do. See, what changes in our relationship with God when we realize who he is and his great love for us, what does that service look like? No matter how tough it is, it is something where we can still be people filled with joy in doing this. I want you to think about Jesus just for a second. There's a, another time the word joy is used. And it is the most interesting place, I think, in Scripture. In Hebrews chapter 11, we go through and we lay out the what we call the Hall of Fame of Faith, all these people who have run this race before, the people who have finished this race of faith. 
And then in Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, we're going to go back. And, and we see, therefore, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which so closely, uh, clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Watch here. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of God. What did he call the cross and what was going to happen? Joy. Why? Because it was only through that that we could be saved and be with him for eternity. So he said he endured the cross for the joy set before him. Did Jesus hurt in his life? Yes. Did he at times cry out, my God, why have you forsaken me? Yes, he did. Are there times that, that, that he went through intense pain? Yes, he went through those things. But why did he do that? For the joy set before him, and we are that joy. The key for us having that life is for us to look at Jesus and realize that he is that joy for us. Tonight, can we help you? Tonight, if you're not a Christian, we would love tonight for you to make that decision to become a child of God, to be baptized for mission of your sins. Do you want to make that decision tonight? Or it may be that you may need to, to make a decision to live in joy. As a Christian, to say, you know what? I have focused so much on these other things. I want to live a life of joy and show people the joy it is to follow Christ. Or tonight, you may just want us to pray with you, and we would love to do that. If we can help you in any of these ways, would you come now while we stand and while we sing?